This is Jerome with episode 24 of More Life. In this episode, Carol Sanford and I talk about care, alienation through categorization, and purpose. Carol is a consistently recognized disruptor and contrarian, working side by side with Fortune 500 and new economy executives in designing and leading systemic business change and design. Through her university and in-house educational offerings, global speaking platforms, best-selling multi-award winning books and human development work, Carol works with executive leaders who see the possibility to change the nature of work through developing people and work systems that ignite motivation everywhere. For four decades, Carol has worked with great leaders of successful businesses such as Google, DuPont, Intel, P&G and 7th Generation, educating them to develop their people and ensure a continuous stream of innovation that continually delivers extraordinary results. At More Life, we explore questions such as how can we feel more alive and how can we create more aliveness around us from a variety of perspectives. If that's something for you, join all the others and subscribe. I want to start right away with my first question, which is how can we as entrepreneurs create more life? Well, it depends on what you mean by life. Uh, it's not a question I normally think about exactly. I think about what is the role of humans and why are we here in the mix of an ecosystem? Because uh, I think we feel most alive and are doing uh, important work when we understand what that is. And for me, that is uh, exercising the mind we have to get out of our mechanical being and get into a level of consciousness, which is uh, able to generate a field for more than ourselves. So that's a creative process. It's not about us, and it's not about even our entrepreneurship. It's how we do entrepreneurship in a way that we produce a uh, conscious energy field in which to work. Yes. Okay, so um, I, I remember reading in one of your books that uh, every human being has that entrepreneurial spirit in them. Yeah. It's just waiting to be lit. So um, when you refer to it's not about what we do is about how we do entrepreneurship or maybe how we do anything. Yeah. Um, and what would you say helps us get into a mindset, a level of consciousness that is regenerative? Yeah, so I said it. how is important. Well, it's not what we do as much as how. And uh, for me, it's a process and it's more than any moment because we, uh, we can't be permanently conscious. We don't, don't have that capacity. <clears throat> we have uh, the ability to see something that needs to be uh, worked on. Like, for example, we have an ecosystem in a lot of danger right now. We have a society and democracies in a lot of danger. So the first question we ask ourselves is what is mine to do here? And if, say, for example, going to make a technological 
innovation and selling, we have to ask, how can we do this in a way that lifts up consciousness for folks? So, for example, uh, I work with Google quite a bit, and uh, they uh, used to have uh, an idea that they would make all information available for all humans. Well, uh, that's a grandiose idea, but it didn't necessarily connect it to how do we do that in a way that people can think for themselves because information can reinforce pretty uh, wasteful thinking. Uh, We, especially if we don't know how to examine it, if we don't know how to uh, engage people in a way that they can ask, what's the effect of that? Uh, how do we uh, answer the question, what is ours to do? And is there a way, which I haven't seen working on yet, a way to engage people in thinking? Right now, all search engines, not just Google, uh, all promote uh, finding people like you, in other words, how you already have adopted thinking, uh, and nothing about how to examine whether what people are putting out is uh, valid. Uh, and so regenerative thinking, which is your question, is a process of asking what's the essence of a a particular idea we have in the So you say it's uh, making everything available, accessibility is one thing, useful and developmental is something else. So I would have said the essence of information is to build capacity of people to think more completely and to think about its effects. Now, that would be a powerful mission for Google or Bing or you know, any other search engine. Uh, so for me, that's an important idea is ask what's the essence of something in regard to health of a larger system. And now you've got a regenerative question. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And it makes me think of my own exploration of AI. So I was really excited about AI's capabilities of writing text. And I experimented with writing a short book by myself about leadership. And I gave not too specific uh, of a a prompt, of of a guideline for the model. And what it produced was Leadership is about motivating people and controlling them so they make so they do the right things. Yeah. I, I told the model like that's not the kind of leadership I'm about. And I, I corrected and explained what my way is, but it always came back to that. Because yeah. that is the mainstream. So it's it's basing it's in that case not it's it's maybe a bubble in that sense, but it is the mainstream stream bubble that is being regenerated. And of course that is dangerous because in many cases, unfortunately, what is mainstream does not necessarily mean that it's good or helpful. Well, of course, how AI works or leaves uh, 
the chat versions I'm seeing is they are based on searching all the recorded knowledge, but they don't win the meat off. They can only be programmed with what exists out there. It's not an individual creative, nor can it produce that. Uh, and it, the funny thing is, if you had asked it to uh, find contradictory ideas, can you find anything that contradicts it? It'd be interesting to see what it does, because in theory, that's out there. Uh, if it's recorded in the, uh, the new, it's a new kind of search engine, right? It's it's a kind of what uh, Google wanted to do, get everything out there and make it accessible. So uh, I, I'm not afraid of AI, because I think we haven't even begun to develop the uh, capacity of humans to think about a subject and to develop the capability in their mind. And so we're never going to be displaced if we develop human capacity. If we stay automatic and we take what we already know, we're no better than the, the terror. What do you call it? Chad? I forgot. My son is working with all this. But in the AI, we get we have to uh, develop capacities undeveloped in us, or otherwise we're competing with them uh, because we are just we mostly go search for new info for information, not even new, and we just fill up our uh, heads with untested, undeveloped, and we aren't any better uh, at it. So. There's a content creation, which comes from existing knowledge, and there's the competition with a poorly developed human, which we don't have a way of developing. And I don't know what you would say, and maybe you could describe that, what your own idea is, uh, is an answer to your question you post to the ass engine. What would you have said? Your ideas. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's ideal leadership is a is a mix of the leadership styles perhaps that are out there, but it is very responsive to the environment. It is very compassionate. It is inquisitive um, and supportive. So I think that there's a big contrast to what mainstream is understood with leadership. Um, it goes a bit in the direction of uh, what is called, I can't come up with a name right now. Maybe, maybe I'll remember yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. So my answer to your question would have been there's no such thing as individuals in an organization being designated as leaders. It's a process for every human to be able to learn to do, to lead their own mind and lead uh, an idea kind of conversation without any hierarchy. And in order to do that, you have to uh, build capacity for consciousness and for systemic thinking because one of the things I see so-called hierarchical leaders do is they're a little like the 
AI where they take what they were taught and that's why you give all that back. They're not thinking about and they're not developing people. And I would not agree with most of the things said. Like, for example, I'm not a fan of compassion. Uh, I'm a fan of caring, which is very different. Compassion means I want to stop you having pain or because uh, the word passion means literally pain. So with pain or without pain, it's not I don't. I think there's a lot of pain and growth, a lot of disruption and growth. So trying to help people not be in pain is kind of a waste of your energy and theirs. Uh, caring on the other hand, uh, which is what I think uh, could be something that happens in every project, every endeavor in small businesses. Caring means uh, uh, the love for which there is no opposite. That's caritas. The Greek word it comes from that I think of is growing people, making them uncomfortable, disrupting, what, like I'm trying to do with you right now, disrupt a path around. And not because I want them to believe what I do, but I want them to learn to question and have frameworks to think through. And so, for me, real leadership is what I call a resource, R-E hyphen S-O-R-U-C-E. That is returning to you or returning you to yourself as a source, not somewhere outside of you. That's a more powerful role that a person in, who is leading, whatever it's, whether it's a, a bottom of the organization or top, they're always are not trying to get you out of pain, but give you useful discomfort, give you disruption in your current pattern. And after that, you're off to recreating a different answer than you had an hour before. And then an hour later or a day later or a month later, we disrupt you again. And you take it the next level so that throughout our life, we're never settled or else we're machines. So that would have been my answer. Do you feel disrupted at all? Thank you. Um, it, it does make me think. So Good. That's all I care about. <laughs> oh, well, not all, because I want you to have the capability to do the thinking. So how would you test what I just said? I disagreed with you. I gave you a, a contrarian opinion, which I'm known for. But what matters is whether you can use it to to validate or evolve your own thinking, and whether I can. So it makes me think about my own life experiences and the pains that I've gone through, and the learnings that have come forth out of going through those experiences. And I recognize that there's truth in what you're saying, that growth is often painful, not necessarily, but often it is painful. And often the things that we, that, well, let me speak for mine, the things that I need yeah. to learn the most are the most painful in learning. Um, 
and it does help a lot if I have someone caring for me, someone supporting me, but not not so much about not facing the pain, not having not, not having the pain, but helping me actually face the pain rather than turn away from it. And yeah. perhaps give me some comfort in the sense of you can do this or you are supported, you are cared for. Well, let me give you another word. Uh, then what they're doing is helping you learn to see things as restraint. And they are going to be disruptive, but they are in they are useful for your discovery, uh, but not because you need to learn something. I don't like that phrase, but uh, because there's an opportunity to create something if you actually understand the restraint. And so uh, I think that the focus we get on pain can become very uh, limiting because we try and get rid of it for people, not help them and be neutral about it, be able to serve it and some neutrality. There's another, another word you use that I tend to disagree with for leadership, and that is relationship. We get into uh, tribes and collaborations and teams, and we pay attention to each other, not the effect on the greater whole. So I, on my Substack uh, post, I wrote one about should we, do we collaborate, should we? And I recommend it against it because people end up getting attachments to or identified with a certain way and group of people. And then they can't question it because it's questioning their actual uh, belonging. And so I suggest that people get a greater system they're working to make a difference with, which can keep lifting out of the, of the how they're getting along, whether or not they can disagree, because people end up not disagreeing or not questioning, because it threatens the relationship. Now, can you have relationship? Of course, I have deep relationships, but they're based on a transformation of something much greater than others. And so when we disagree or when we need to make a decision, we don't look at how do we get us both happy? We look at how does it work with the greater system and try to change? Like our question, how do we get people to learn to think for themselves? That's what my new book is about. Uh, Oh, no more gold stars, uh, regenerating capacity to think for ourselves. So I think that's a risk of thinking we're building a relationship. We may, we don't know how to work on the wicked complex challenge that we have because we either, it affects our income or it affects our identity. And so we don't take on the big challenge even as good people. Because we want the relationship and the money to work. I'm, I'm really curious. So for me, that sounds like if 
the individuals in relationship were able to let go of their ego, it would be yeah. possible to have that, to have mm. those those comments, those that critical feedback, and speaking up vulnerably. Well, it is not really vulnerably then, because if if one lets go right. of the ego, um, it's it's just matter of factly. So, w- would that be part of the solution, in your opinion? Well, I don't think. I think it's giving the ego the right work. So if we don't have a greater whole, we're committed to developing and committed to developing ourselves. Our ego will take over because it is our strength, is what gives us will, is what gives us differentiation. But if it doesn't have right work, uh, we can't. We have to learn to use it for. The greater the greater process, and not for ourselves. That's the shift. So it don't. I don't like groups that say get rid of ego. Well, you have no will then. You have no motivation. Uh, you have no differentiation. So when we work with ego, we talk about what is it that your essence can do that can make a big difference. Now my essence knows what to work on. My sorry, my ego knows what to work on because it's the essence of the big, bigger change. Like if we want to change society where we don't have racism, well, I I suggest that people quit working on racism and work on uh, categorizing because categorizing is what creates racism. This color of our skin is artificial categories. And if we go about trying to defend different groups, uh, which I can see the reason for, then we're adding to more categorization. Uh, blacks and whites and our group from uh, Mongolia, and each of them get a smaller and smaller category. If we could learn to... Uh, and when I was working in South Africa, we had a group of geneticists who came in because in, in Africa, we were working in Kenya, Zimbabwe, Zambia, South Africa, Botswana, uh, and a little more. But the tribes there had fragmented so much that we had uh, almost a hundred tribes. Now, they all had black, well, not all had black skin with a larger number, and they were at war with each other over uh, a tribal division. When, as we had the geneticists come and show them, that if you gave them uh, a test, a, a, a DNA test, you can tell where they were born, but you can't tell what tribe they are, particularly, and that art, racism is artificial. So that's the same problem we have. Uh, with most of the things we try and work on is we don't know how to work on it. And so we fragment down into something we can own and depend and cling to. So that was a long uh, explanation, but that's how I think about ego. Yeah. Okay. So I recently interviewed Joe Hutchins, his work you might be familiar with. And well, his his way of putting it is that um, ideally we live 
from a uh, sense of awareness, which sounds somewhat similar to what you call the, the essence. And from that, no. no? No. Go ahead and explain. I okay. don't come back. There's nothing like essence. It's so different. Oh, so what you were I don't know what you were saying, but what did she say? You need to live from awareness? Right, from awareness, and then from that action can be born, but that without awareness, action uh, can likely just create more problems in the world. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I can see how you got there, but uh, I think there are, are multiple levels of uh, consciousness and energy, and that one's too low. So there's vital energy where we're afraid and animalistic like, and that can happen in an organization. And then we have automaticness, which is our real downfall. We're on automatic, and I think that's the most dangerous one. Then there's sensitive energy, which is awareness, which lets us notice when we're on automatic. But consciousness is what we need, not awareness, because uh, consciousness means we can watch our own mind. We can watch what it's doing. We can watch where we got an idea. We can watch the effect. And that way, we're learning to manage us. Awareness uh, is kind of a low-level connection to the external world. It doesn't have the inner being being developed. And so uh, what I uh, work on teaching people to work on is the capacity to manage the 12 levels of energy, which I just gave you four. Uh, and uh, if we can learn to do that, we can be in charge of our mind, our state of being, our effects in the world. Uh, but I think awareness is a very popular idea with the humanist, but it's not really sufficient to be able to ever overcome artificial intelligence uh, lacking or our our engagement with other people. It's a, a useful but not sufficient to really manage go and developing it and make it possible to make a difference. The way I understood it, I think the meaning of awareness in, in this case is more similar to what you just described as consciousness, actually. I've never seen anybody working with developing consciousness uh, in that way. Where you're learning, uh, I do think we, when we use the word awareness, we have a meaning for that that is much more uh, sensorial. It's what our senses pick up. It's not what we're doing, thinking about how our mind is creating what we see, or sourcing where we see from, or seeing our effects, uh, or at least you didn't describe any of that. And I can't use somebody's idea who isn't here to talk with about it very easily. Of course. Okay, so you you mentioned building capacity a couple of times in our conversation. Building the capacity to pay 
attention to essence or to be in essence, it, would that be then the most important thing to develop? There's no such thing as the most important. That's one. And uh, levels of energy, in order to work at conscious energy, you have to be connected to essence. And essence is essence thinking. I'm able to actually see how something works. Like I gave an example, Google is not working with essence of information, which is a capacity for people to see to the heart of it, to see deeply into it, not their first automatic thoughts. And you have an essence, which you were probably born with, and it is what makes you uh, uh, able to be in the world before and nobody else. Uh, part of my essence is to disrupt certainty. Can you see I'm doing that all the time? Or wherever I am, you give me something, I'm going to disrupt it. Even if I agree with it, uh, which I usually don't, but because uh, I find people can't think quite big enough. But if you learn to do essence thinking, you can see that in other people too. So I had a uh, program I ran for, what did they call them? Uh, parents who were uh, in prison or just getting out, working with their kids. And one of the things this uh, mother and daughter I worked with is she was trying to help her daughter grow up and she was, I don't know, 10 years old, 12 years old. And she wanted her to grow up and be productive in society. So when she got out of jail, she did a lot of work with Jane, which her name, uh, helping her learn how uh, other people thought and did. And this child was harming herself, cutting herself, and creating great pain physically. And so she tried to do something with her like, let's cook together, let's read together. And when she got to the program I was running, I said, well, what's the essence of Jane? She said, well, I don't know what you mean. I said, what is she always doing that she's trying to make things better? And she said, well, she creates a little plays and she writes a theater and she sometimes gets her friends involved. I said, so the essence is storytelling the evolution of life. And so she, instead of working with her the way she had, she, uh, she helped her. I think she actually got a teacher involved in script writing, playwriting, and all of her friends loved putting their own story or things that were not working for them and showing how they made them. And they started putting on plays. And I found her about 20 years later at a local uh, community center where she was teaching this to all the kids who had uh, challenges. That was the essence of Jane, transforming through writing, and not any writing, but playwriting and producing them. Now, whatever your essence is, we get figured out in the same way. Uh, but that has nothing to do with uh, whatever you were saying there person was subscribing. It's finding, and you can do that for a business, 
for a nation, for a community, for a lifeshed. And once you do that kind of thinking, you see the world different. All right, you need to give me your last question. I'm getting having trouble breathing. Okay. Let me think. Or your last reflection yourself. Right. It doesn't have to be me. I think I I understood, I understood that you asked what that um, person's way of making the world better is to get to her essence. Is that right? No. No? No. That was... No, you can't do it with one question. It takes about 10 years to learn to see essence. And that's a, well, the question I ask in James case, but I don't know that I've ever asked anywhere else. It's way too simple. Way, way, way too simple. You're learning to see inside of their working. And I don't try and teach people how to find essence, even in my clients. I do it for them. And only by living from it, can you begin to experience it? So, I like that answer. Well, Carol, I want to thank you so much for disrupting thinking, for the right. books that you've written. I've not read all of them, but I've, I'm I'm at it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thank right. you so much for taking your time to have this conversation with me. You're welcome. And I have book number seven now in five weeks. On September 7th, no more gold stars. And so if you want to make sure you get on the P-cell and get some discounts and bonuses, I have about 10 bonuses on my website at kelsanford.com. So go check it out. Sign up for the newsletter and be by a book about a week from now. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you got something out of this episode, share that with your friends, colleagues, or me. I want to know. Subscribe to get notified about new episodes and leave a rating or comment in your app to help others find more life. If you have requests for future topics or suggestions for fitting guests, let me know. In the next episode, Mark Druin, Ruth Veda and I will talk about romantic relationships. Thanks again and hopefully until next time.